I'm Tracy Sable. Tonight on EWTN News Nightly, House Scare. When Pope Francis failed to appear in person for the Angelus Blessing, it sparked concern throughout the world. We have the latest from EWTN's Colin Flynn. Two more days. The truce between Israel and Hamas is extended, but what happens when it's over? Budget battle. Diamond sticking on Capitol Hill for 2024 spending bill. Can Speaker Mike Johnson pull through? We have a report and reaction. And it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. First Lady Jill Biden kicks off the holiday season at the White House. These stories and more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us. Our top story tonight, Pope Francis is resting and recovering in Rome following a weekend diagnosis of breathing difficulty and inflammation of the lungs. The 86-year-old is in good and stable condition. Now, the Vatican says a CT scan has ruled out pneumonia. This morning, the Holy Father met with the president of Paraguay. Pope Francis also continues to prepare for the apostolic journey to Dubai later this week. EWTN Vatican News correspondent Colin Flynn has more. A very good evening, Tracy. Well, good news from the Vatican this morning as they released an update on the Pope's health. Over the weekend, many were worried when it was announced that Pope Francis was suffering from what was described as a mild flu. The Vatican has now said that Pope Francis's condition is good and improving. He had received a CT scan at hospital, which ruled out pneumonia, but the results did show lung inflammation, which had been causing him some breathing difficulties. The Vatican has said now that the Pope is receiving antibiotics, and they also announced that some of his appointments for the next few days have been postponed. Now, this all started yesterday when Pope Francis did not appear at the window of the Papal Palace overlooking St. Peter's Square for his normal Sunday Angelus. And instead, he spoke to those gathered in the square via a video link from the chapel of the Casa Santa Marta, the Vatican resident where he lives. He had a bandage on his right hand and he explained that he couldn't come out because of the inflammation of his lungs. The Pope is turning 87 in a few weeks and remember... He lost part of one of his lungs to disease when he was a young man living in Argentina. He managed to deliver his Sunday Angelus, seated, and not only was he on his own this time, he was joined by Monsignor Paolo Bradi, head of the Coordination Office for the Pontifical Speeches at the Secretariat of State of the Holy See. This is the man who usually writes and prepares the Pope's reflections. In the address, the Pope appealed for peace in Ukraine. He gave thanks for the release of those hostages in Gaza. Remember, he met some of the family members of Israeli hostages here at the Vatican last week. And he also confirmed that he would be traveling to Dubai later this week for COP28. Pope Francis ended with his traditional closing remarks. I wish everyone a good Sunday. Please do not forget to pray for me. Have a good lunch and see you next time, he said. Now, Pope Francis is due to fly to the United Arab Emirates and to Dubai this Friday. So we'll have to wait and see, Tracy, if this recent illness affects those plans. But what we can tell you is that he is keeping some of his appointments, at least. For example, this morning he met with the president of Paraguay at the Casa Santa Marta, not the Papal Palace, which would be the usual meeting place for a world leader. It was a 25-minute long meeting where they spoke about peace, environmental protection and the fight against poverty. So everyone here in Rome is keeping an eye on the Pope's health and we'll give you more news as we get it. In Rome, Colm Flynn, EWTN News Nightly. I'll turn it now to the conflict in the Middle East, where Israeli defense forces say a new group of 11 hostages 
are now free. These are pictures right here. All the captives who are now back in Israel. Presidents, residents, that is, of the kibbutz near Oz confirm all 11 are from the community. There were no Americans released today. The hostages will undergo a medical assessment and then will be reunited with their families. Well, that hostage release comes on the heels of an announcement that the truce will be extended for two more days. The Biden administration hopes the pause can be extended even further. White House correspondent Owen Jensen reports. Tracy, the White House says it's getting results. Hostages being released. Today, another example of that. Aid trucks going into Gaza and a pause in the fighting. But at the same time, there are still dozens of hostages that remain in captivity. Just moments before convening the first meeting of his supply chain resilience council, where he did not address the hostages held by Hamas, President Joe Biden releases a written statement on the latest humanitarian pause in Gaza, saying in part, we will not stop until all the hostages held by Hamas terrorists are released. Of the roughly 240 people captured by Hamas, several dozen have been freed. In the White House press briefing room today, more details. I think it's important to also remember that Hamas... Uh, likely doesn't hold each and every one. And so uh, being held by Hamas, probably they had hostages in more than one location. Um, and there's other groups that may be holding some of these hostages as well. As for how many Americans are still being held by Hamas? We think the number is, um, well, it's less than 10, probably in the neighborhood of, you know, about eight to nine. Um, but we don't necessarily have firm, solid information on each and every one of them. On Sunday, Hamas freed 17 hostages, Abigail Idan, a dual Israeli-American citizen among them. These photos of Abigail with her grandparents, aunt and uncle, at a children's medical center. Her parents were killed in the horrific attack by Hamas. As you know, she, she celebrated her fourth uh, birthday while she was uh, in captivity. Meanwhile, during the pause in fighting, increased shipments of fuel and supplies going into Gaza, though aid groups say it's still barely enough. And Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu confirming he will press ahead with the war after the ceasefire expires. The president also said in his statement today, the pause in fighting has allowed for the release of young children, mothers and grandmothers who were held hostage, while also enabling a significant surge in humanitarian assistance to innocent civilians in Gaza. At the White House, Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly. Before the news of the latest hostage release, we spoke with an Israeli army reservist about the situation in his country. We turn now to Israeli Army Reservist Raz Milovich. Raz, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Uh, first off, what is your reaction to the hostage release? At first, I'm thrilled from excitement, and I'm happy, and I'm excited that all those kids and all those families were finally united to see that the, the pain of the families that have been waiting for their loved ones to come back, knowing they are held by those animals, not knowing in what condition they are. I cannot be but thrilled and excited and thrilled with joy to have them. And on the other side of that, I think that the price that we are paying for that is extremely high. And I think that maybe it should have been done uh, differently. What about your family and friends? And also tell us, what is the mood there in Israel right now? The mood now, again, it, it's torn between two extreme feelings. On the one hand, as I said, we're all happy, we're all excited that 
uh, we bring back those kids, those uh, women, those ladies back home to see that to know that they are safe and sound, they are back in the hands of their families. On the other hand, uh, um, the suffering coming from the game, the psychological terrorism that Hamas is continuing to throw on us by not releasing all the names, by tearing out families, by releasing kids and keeping their moms, by but by releasing them in, against all the agreements, not to the Egyptian side, but in the middle of the city Gaza in a parade, as if there are animals in the zoo marching them through the city where the mobs are knocking on the windows. What if those your kids in those cars, terrified? So we're extremely uh, unhappy and, and sad and, and angry is maybe an understatement, but they're full with anger, the way that Hamas is treating them. And it only gives us the strength to know that we are in the right way. And we should be doing whatever we can to eliminate Hamas and make sure all those terrorists pay for what they did. So it's, it's joy on the one hand, but it's maybe a little bit of frustration for those who are still there. I want to get your thoughts on the exchange. Uh, 117 Palestinian prisoners for 58 hostages. Do you think that that was the right move by the Israeli government? Um, Numbers-wise, numbers wise, I don't think it's a big deal. I just want to remind you that Israel, in the last exchange, we have released 1,000, over 1,000 in exchange of one Israeli soldier. 1,000 convicted terrorists, some of them with blood on their hands. In this time, we're releasing women and, and uh, teenagers. Some of them were supposed to be released anyway in this nearby weeks, months, years. So number-wise, I'm not really afraid of that. I'm more afraid or more concerned of the way it's been done when Hamas is blackmailing us by playing on our feelings, knowing, OK, we'll buy another day of ceasefire. Um, if you if you release if we release one, one, one ten more people, you will buy another day of ceasefire. We don't need this ceasefire. It's playing against us. We don't need more than this time to get our energy back. This ceasefire only helps Hamas build up this destroyed infrastructure, build up his resilience, and paint himself all of a sudden in the humane colors. Hamas is trying to paint himself in colors that belong to Hamas is trying to make sure he's treating the people well and making sure they wave to the people, to the terrorists. Just want to remind you that Hamas is illegally against international law, is holding civilians. Raz, almost out of time, but uh, wondering if I can get your opinion about the optics of the hostage handover. What do you think? I think, again, it's, it's, it's I would say, humiliating. I would not expect the first eyesight that Israel has of the names of the released ones beside the families is by drive through this march when they drive through and there's paparazzi videoing them. I think it's, it should be done in a more discreet way. They should have been in tilted windows, in more protected environment, not driven through the main square of Gaza where the mobs are standing them and Hamas and his march of power and his terrorists standing, them, standing there armed in this city square. And um, the optics of it is horrifying. Horrible, in my opinion. We're going to leave it right there, Raz. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Joining us now from Tel Aviv for the very latest on the Israel-Hamas war is Israeli government spokesperson Avi Hyman. Avi, great to be with you today. I want to talk about the extensions uh, specifically here. Is there, you know, a limit to how many extensions uh, that will be beneficial? to Israel's mission to end Hamas. And do you think you're still operating from a position of strength right now? So the only reason that we're where we're at now with the hostage release 
is because of the military pressure, because of the diplomatic pressure that we put Hamas on. They were begging for a pause. They were begging for a breather. And without that, I don't think we'd be where we are now. So we will plow on with our mission. Firstly, we'll do whatever we can through this deal to get as many hostages as we can. But we're we're ready um, at any given moment to return to the other part of the mission, which is to destroy Hamas. We cannot allow Hamas to rule Gaza. We cannot allow Hamas to hold 250, uh, 240 Israelis hostage. And we cannot allow um, Hamas to hold their own people hostage, as they have brutally for 19 years. So we will free Gaza from Hamas, and we will free those 240 hostages. Avi, I want to ask you, uh, speaking of Gaza, I want to ask you about the aid. Do you know if your aid is actually getting into the hands of the people that actually need it over there? So we're doing our absolute utmost to ensure that the aid reaches those people that need it. As you know, our our war is with Hamas, that brutal terror organization. It is not with the people of Gaza. So we hope that the civilians get the aid that's coming through. Today, uh, it went up to 200 trucks worth of aid coming through from the Rafah crossing. We also know at the same time that Hamas has been caught red-handed, stealing fuel um, and stealing other aid for their own good. What we know is that if there are people in Gaza that don't need any aid, that don't need water, that don't need fuel, that don't need anything, it's Hamas because they've been stockpiling it for years, waiting for that day in which they could bring Israel into Gaza to fight them while they're embedded deeply within a civilian population, perpetrating a double war crime of shooting at civilians from deep within civilians. Well, Avi Hyman, thank you so much for your time and for your insights. We appreciate it. Thank you. A 48-year-old Vermont man is in custody charged with three counts of attempted murder in the second degree after three college students of Palestinian descent were shot. It happened near the University of Vermont Saturday evening. Two victims are in stable condition, while a third suffered more serious injuries. Police are investigating the shooting as a possible hate crime. Well, we have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including its business from here on out. Congress dives headfirst into a new spending plan. What supporters have to say about Speaker Mike Johnson leading the charge. And horrific attack, rioting in Ireland after five people were stabbed, including three children. The Archbishop of Dublin reacts. returns this week with a government shutdown threat behind them. Now the real money fight is taking center stage. The House and Senate remain billions of dollars apart on bills that would fund all government departments through next September. House Republicans can't even agree on how much to spend. Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales has more. Eric? Well, good evening, Tracy. You know, when House Republicans left Capitol Hill for Thanksgiving, they were still fighting over final budget numbers and even foreign aid. The big question is whether Speaker Mike Johnson can put together a plan to get it all done in the next month. Congressman Matt Gates tells me he's confident Speaker Johnson can do it. 
House Speaker Johnson was meeting with members of the Freedom Caucus and other conservative House Republicans about everything from the release of the January 6th tapes to our plan on single subject spending bills to what fight we were going to have to set up with the Senate and the White House on the southern border. Some House Freedom Caucus members say Speaker Johnson caved to business as usual with spending on the latest continuing resolution and they're demanding action. When we get back from Thanksgiving, we need a plan to reduce spending overall from 23 to 24, pay for any supplemental spending, stop spending blank check money to Ukraine, stand with Israel, hold the Senate in check, and do what we need to do to secure the southern border. A number of House Republicans have blocked funding bills, and none are scheduled for votes this week. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries says it's time for the GOP to start passing their own bills. So why are we wasting time? When we have top-line spending numbers established in May through the Bipartisan Fiscal Responsibility Act that the House Republicans themselves negotiated. Senate lawmakers are watching. Republican Senator Rick Scott tells me Democrats should follow the speaker's lead. He's committed to going, to, going through real spending um, bills and passing them. I, uh, unfortunately, Schumer has decided not to do that. We've only passed three of, uh, of our 12 spending bills so far. The Senate also needs to come up with an aid bill to Israel and Ukraine. Republicans insist border security must be part of any package. Senator Eric Schmidt tells me Democrats don't want to deal with the border. I'm going to support the strongest border bill possible, but the, the Democrats are not serious about this. Uh, they're not serious. Um, uh, we have laws in place that could be enforced, but this is the problem when you have an executive branch that's not interested in executing the law, and that's the problem. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has warned Republicans that drawing a red line in the sand on border aid could jeopardize the entire package. Meanwhile, the U.S. House could vote this week to expel New York Republican Congressman George Santos after the Ethics Committee found overwhelming evidence that he broke federal laws during the 2022 campaign. I'll continue to stay on top of that story. At the Capitol, Eric Rosales, EWTN News Nightly. Up next on EWTN News Nightly, frank disagreement. Bishop Barron is not mincing words when it comes to the Synod's final report. Plus, magic, wonder, and joy. The First Lady unveils the White House holiday decor for 2023. While well, the main Catholic cathedral in Ukraine has been hit with significant damage following an attack by Russian drones. The Cathedral of the Resurrection of Christ sustained damage to its doors and many windows were also knocked out. Well, the attack on Kiev was the largest since the start of the war last year. Several buildings caught fire and dozens of residential buildings were left without power. At least two people were injured in what is now the fourth attack on Kiev this month. Well, the Archbishop of Dublin is calling for prayers following the horrific attacks in Ireland last week in which five people, including three children, were injured. In a statement, Archbishop Dermot Farrell says in part, quote, I invite the people of Dublin to join me in praying especially for the recovery of those who have been injured. Grant them strength to endure this awful attack and grant each of us the grace to live our lives in holiness free from all violence. Police promised today there would be large-scale arrests in the coming weeks of the ringleaders and participants responsible for the Dublin riots. The 49-year-old suspect remains under armed guard in the hospital. The violence broke out on Thursday after three schoolchildren were stabbed. A five-year-old girl and a woman remain in serious condition. 
A welcome surprise out of Mali as a priest who was captured one year ago has now been released. Father Hans Joachim Lori is said to be doing well. Not many details were revealed, and it is not known if a ransom was paid. Father Lori has been in Mali for over 30 years and teaches at the Institute of Islamic Christian Training. Bishop Robert Barron says that he disagrees with parts of the final report from the initial meetings of the Synod on Synodality. The head of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, Minnesota, was one of the participants in the gathering last month in Rome. He says it is, quote, troubling to see how members of the German Bishops' Conference are using the Synod report to justify major changes to the Church's sexual teaching. He specifically took issue with the claim that advances in science require a rethinking of the church's teaching on the issue. Well, finally tonight, you can tell we are getting closer to Christmas. The White House just unveiled its theme for the season, the magic, wonder, and joy of the holidays. Each room is designed to capture this pure, unfiltered delight and imagination. To see, you know, the, this season, this time of year, through the wondrous, sparkling eyes of children. First Lady Jill Biden says the holidays offer a time for reflection and a break from our hurried lives, a season to be fully present with our family and friends. And just a reminder that the faithful can receive a plenary indulgence by praying before a nativity scene in a Franciscan church. It's available from December 6th until February 2nd, which is the Feast of the Presentation in the Temple. Well, we thank you for watching tonight. And remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook X and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night and God bless.